1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, as always, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Georgia-South Carolina week. The Bulldogs have dominated this series. They're looking to dominate it a little bit more. I believe they've won. uh, I have a hard time counting sometimes. I think it's every game since 2015. uh, I guess the last time they lost was 2014. They've won 15, 16, 17, 18, so that's four in a row. And uh, they've won all of those by 14 points or more. And uh, we're not going to we're not gonna uh, jump in and, and, and waste any time on on how everything's been going because I'm pretty sure all of us are a little sad right now. and we won't even discuss why I think most people out there understand why uh, about what happened yesterday afternoon uh, or yesterday evening. So we're just gonna jump right into Georgia, South Carolina to, to try and let's all get it off our mind a little bit. Uh, but but we're going to talk, break this thing down completely. We're going to talk about matchups. We're going to b- talk about players that we think will will have a big impact on this game, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the big games in college football this week because there are a few, uh, there are several, uh, and and the first thing we want to talk about, guys, and Rusty coming to you first here. So get ready, uh, not necessarily key matchups, but interesting matchups in Georgia, South Carolina. What are you keeping an eye on? What kind of piques your interest when you look at the, the way these two teams uh, match up and, and kind of the end of whether it's position by position or individual?
0: You know, I, a thing I touched on a little bit in my um, on Sunday, my Tennessee game thoughts. I'm kind of interested in what Georgia does at linebacker because, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like to me Coy Walker was getting a lot more reps. Um, and I was impressed with him, man. I mean, when you physically see him, how big he is, you know he's a 6'3 kid, um, you know, tall, long uh, inside linebacker today's game inside linebacker type. You know he missed a tackle, but he flashed a couple times, um, very physical, got a great open field tackle on the boundary on the Tennessee side. I'm interested in what Georgia does with their rotation versus South Carolina's backs. I know there's gonna be some talk. I did one of y'all certainly, certainly on the defensive line versus Georgia's offensive line, but I'm interested in how Georgia intends to match up with, with these guys, with these running backs that um, South Carolina has with, with Dowdle and, and, and Feaster because uh, I know Brian McClendon wants to run the ball. They want to try to do everything they can. Georgia's been great, but who's in that linebacker rotation for me? So I'm watching uh, more specifically how Georgia does their rotation. I want to see if Quay Walker – has moved up the pecking order a little bit, um, you know. Because really, with Monty Rice and um, the Kobe Dean and 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 Tay Crowder, uh, you know, you look—is it is is Quay moved up into there and, and getting more reps than the other two guys? So we'll see this weekend.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't really have a snap count for him. I will say I think he played a lot more starting kind of late in the second quarter, early third quarter, and I think that had a lot to do, Rusty, with with. Sure. I felt like Monty and and uh, and uh, Tay Crowder got a little bit gassed against uh, Notre Dame because they put Quay Walker in early in that game, and listen, he's a sophomore. He's he's going into his fit. He was in his fourth game as a big time contributor. And he played a handful of plays there on one drive and struggled on probably three or four of them. Just kind of looked like he was, you know, his, his head was swimming a little bit, and, and they pulled him out. But then he came back, and like you said, he did flash. He played well against Tennessee. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how much more trust he's earned. That, that, a lot of that's going to come in a great week of practice this week. Uh, but, but also saw N'Kobe Dean in some of those situations too. And I think N'Kobe Dean's pretty key in this game. Uh, because not only does Brian McClendon want to run the ball, but those two backs that you mentioned, Dowdle and Feaster, 18 catches this year through sure. four games, and and they like to throw the ball to those guys. You know, a young quarterback likes to check down to his running backs and take the safe throw. That whole that whole uh, statement that I heard Andrew Luck make several years ago: "You can't go broke making a profit." A lot of quarterbacks are saying that now, and uh, and I think that's definitely that's that that's definitely one that's going to be pretty interesting. I, I know that that uh you know you have Monty and quay who aren't bad in coverage but aren't elite they aren't roquan and even roquan got exposed in coverage sometimes you look at that oklahoma game in the rose bowl that uh that that fullback gave him fits at times been and, and that guy is a is a was a really good player so uh, that that's always one to keep an eye on for me for sure is is the running backs against the linebackers in coverage and and can those guys uh, play the right technique, the right leverage, and 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 use their help for sure. Kip, is there anything that kind of stands out to you as far as a matchup, anything that really piques your interest?
2: Well, that, that's what I was going to go with. I think that if you're South Carolina, that's definitely what you want to rely on early on heavy. With, with Dowdle and, and Feaster, they've kind of become the focus of their offense. I think they both had over 100 yards against Kentucky. I think uh, Rico Dowdle. I think he had 100 yards against Alabama. These are your senior running backs. Uh, they they're averaging. I think uh, I think they're over 130 touches on the year combined. So the focal point, big road game. That's what you want, especially. I mean, you got a young, you got a freshman quarterback in there. So uh, this is definitely what their game plan is going to be. For me, I, I want to see how long they stick to that, because. I do think that when you look at Monty Rice and you look at Tay Crowder, these guys are starting to kind of, you know, get into that mid-season form. They're playing pretty well. I do think, you know, with Nicobe Dean and Clay Walker in the the eye test, I don't know snap counts, but I think it was about 15, 16 snaps each in the last in the last game is my estimated guess. So I think you still kind of have that set, you know, first group and second group. But, but for me, yeah, I think that Clay Walker could be a guy that, that, as far as the matchups go in this game, kind of fits well into what Georgia would like to do in stopping these, these guys on you know, early on in, the, in these rushing downs and, and kind of try to make South Carolina a one-dimensional offense. And, and it's a dimension that they have not done well in this year. I mean, if, if South Carolina has to start trying to push the ball downfield It is going to be a a long game for them. So if I'm Georgia, I mean, you know, I I stack that box against the run and 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 make them try to you know test that secondary downfield. So, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. I'm I'm kind of keen in on. I think that there is there are a couple you know key spots that I think that Georgia will be able to uh, to exploit that that we'll touch on later. But but I think just early on in the game is. You know, this is a stout rushing attack and a pair of talented, experienced running backs that Georgia's going up against. And I'm interested to see just how well they do trying to, to shut those guys down and, and force South, South Carolina to, to take some shots.
1: You know, I, I look at this game, I'm, I'm going to flip over to the other side of the ball. And I wrote this in the key matchups. And one of the reasons I put it in the key matchups is because I'm really interested to see how it plays out. But I like the matchup of, of Jake Fromm against Traveris Robinson, Will Muschamp, and that South Carolina defense from a cerebral standpoint. And, listen, I, I get it. Uh, you know, I, I reported this past uh, Sunday. And, and listen, I talked to a couple people that were like, Jake Fromm had Tennessee kind of chasing its tail a little bit defensively because they wanted to make some late adjustments Uh, before the snap and sometimes they were adjusting the stuff that Jake Fromm wasn't even checking to because he was using a lot of window dressing and it was really valuable for Georgia in that game especially in the passing game Uh, you know Rusty you brought up the 33 yard pass on on the last podcast to Demetrius Robertson Um, that was one that was kind of singled out to me is 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 Jake kind of made them think that, that they went with what they called but they Tennessee wouldn't have known it because Georgia made some adjustments or or did some dummy calls that made Tennessee think that maybe Georgia was making some adjustments to what they were doing. Uh, but but so looking at that, and I know some people get tired of hearing about what Jake Fromm does before the snap. Kirby Smart's harped on it. We've harped on it. But in in reality. That's a big part of Georgia's offense. Like that's a big part of of the way this thing works and and Georgia's success in that regard. So I'm really interested in it because you know listen, those are a couple the couple are really good defensive coaches right there. I mean, yeah, Travers Robinson is is not only a fantastic recruiter and he's got that reputation as well and an evaluator. But he he's a smart coach. I mean, they're, they're, he's hitched his wagon to Will Muschamp. He's been with him for a long time. Those two are really good coaches. I mean, if it, what, there's no doubt in my mind that if Will Muschamp was floating around out there, that he would have already been uh, Kirby Smart's defensive coordinator. Kirby has a has high praise for the guy, has high thoughts about the guy. They're 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 really good friends, and so there are two sharp defensive minds right there against a very sharp quarterback and and James Coley, uh, an offensive coordinator that that. I think, based on the Tennessee game, is really starting to get a little bit of a feel for what he has offensively, uh, you know. And I think Georgia's offensive line, in general, was was a was a reason that that Georgia could kind of figure things out on the fly because they know that they can kind of lean on those guys and wear teams down. And and uh, you know, you kind of have some time to to feel things out to get some freshmen, some young guys up to speed before you can kind of become as ex- explosive as you want to be. But I'm really interested to see how Jake Fromm handles what they throw at him because you know they're going to try to come at him with a blitz or two. They're going to try to disguise some stuff. They're going to try to confuse him a little bit and make him hold the ball a little bit longer against that really good defensive line. I mean, Javon Kinlaw and, uh, and DJ Wonham are, are about as good as you're going to find as far as a defensive tackle, defensive end duo in this league. They're really good. I mean, you've got the SEC leader in sacks and, the S- and one of the SEC leaders in tackles for a loss. Just right there, two impactful players. But but in order to make that count against Georgia's passing game, you've got to get Jake Fromm to hold on to the football for a little while. And and I just think that's that's incredibly key uh, for South Carolina if they're going to create some negative plays early and potentially create a couple of turnovers. Rusty, you're you're you've got a really good solid knowledge of of Kirby and and his background and Will Muschamp and his background. I want to get your thoughts on that.
0: They, those two are extremely close. Um, you know, I would be willing to bet people would be shocked how much they talk year-round. And um, you know, it's been, been documented before. Kirby lived with 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 Will and Carol, um, you know, when it was about Austin State, when he got the job. And, you know, Kirby got hired at I mean, Will got hired at LSU, first person to, you know, first opportunity he got. He talked basically talked Nick Saban to hire Kirby Smart away from Valasa State. So these two are extremely tight. They are two um you know, knowing Will from high school, uh, competing with him, competing against him. They're, they're two extremely competitive people, uh, very, very close. I don't know that it gets, I don't know if that really gets wrote enough. I don't know if anybody's ever really got to be able to sit down with those two. But you know, from what I understand, understanding, they have SEC meetings, coaches' meetings that you know they set together. Um, you know, played at Georgia together, coaching together. You know, been at Miami together, been at LSU together. Just you know, just two very, very, very close people. I know, you know, the relationship with Mike Bobo and Kirby Smart. They were college roommates, so they're they're obviously uh, their dads are close. Those two families are close. But uh, Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart are very, very, very good friends, and I, I would be willing to talk. I would be willing to bet they talk two or three times a week on text minimum. And this is a game they both want to win. You know, for for many reasons. But you know, you're competitors. You want to compete against each other. Uh, this is kind of bragging rights, and Jake, I think you said it. In fact, you know, as we're taping this on Thursday, the twenty fourteen um, Georgia South Carolina game was on, and Georgia had some really, really good players. But man, I just, I just really looked down that roster. You know, their offense and defensive lines and secondary specifically. Boy, Georgia has really, really, really flipped their roster under Kirby Smart. No doubt
1: about it, and and when you talk about the the LSU thing with with Will Muschamp talking uh, Nick Saban into hiring Kirby Smart away from Valdosta State, it just it goes back to just I mean not just football but I guess life just relationships because where would Kirby Smart be? Yeah, yeah obviously probably in a really good spot. Don't get me wrong because he did such a great job at Valdosta State. I mean I was actually there at Valdosta State for a year as a student when Kirby was the defensive coordinator. Went yes. to a lot of Alaska State games, and and you know he he did a great job. He was still an up and comer, but bringing him into the Nick Saban coaching tree uh, did wonders for the guy's career. I mean, he's he's probably not Georgia's head football coach right well, now, if well, not that.
0: You know, Will would probably have a comment for me if I ever ask him publicly. But you know, Will started out as a wood lumber salesman for for Osmos, which is a major Auburn you know booster at the time, and. I think Will pretty much figured out he he better get out of sales he, that that he doesn't have the personality for sales. Uh, football coaching is in his blood, and uh, when he went back and, and got into coaching, it you know there's a lot of good coaches in this world that are not at the level of these guys, and it certainly does not hurt to know people to move places. And you know with with Will being at LSU, you're, you're exactly right, Jake. That was a game changer for Kirby Smart for the rest of his life, and Kirby Smart took advantage of it. And obviously with um, you know, Nick Saban's respect uh, to bring Kirby to multiple places and to have him at Alabama so long, it just tells you who Kirby Smart is. But certainly I heard your comment about Will, you know, as a defensive coordinator. You know, if if he wasn't at South Carolina and things were open or whatever, there is no question. And make this real clear, there is no question that he would be the defensive coordinator at Georgia if the opportunity was right and this job was open. Now it's Dan Lannings, Kirby Smart's. Uh, but if there were ever an opportunity, there was an opening, Will was on the market, be no question that Kirby Smart would hire Will Muschamp.
1: And with that, we're going to jump into a break real quick. And when on the other side, we're going to talk about uh, key players in this game, game. Guys we think have a chance to really bust out against South Carolina. After that, we're going to get into uh, the, the big games this week. Uh, but before that happens, uh, we're, uh, we're as, uh, as my buddy Wes Rucker said when we did our podcast, pay the bills. All right, now Kip, going to throw it to you real quick. You you watch this team. You know this team. You 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 seem pretty pretty in tune with what South Carolina has done thus far. Give me a veteran and a young player that you think has a chance to really have a have a strong showing against the Gamecocks, just based on the matchup and and kind of the way you see this game going.
2: Well, uh, looking at South Carolina they've really struggled in time of possession. They're in the bottom 15 in the country. I think they're like 115th. They're dead last in the SEC in time of possession. And and really, when you look at, you know, a little deeper, it's it's third down conversions. They're not able to keep the offense on the field. They're, again, they're outside the top 100 in in that as well. I think it's like 30, 31, 33% that that they're converting their third downs. And so – Again, looking to this game and what they're hoping to do offensively, and and establishing that heavy run, I think that you get into that second quarter and, and they start having some three and outs. If they're not successful and and trying to put their game plan together, they're going to start trying to you know push the ball downfield, and, and this is where the their offensive line is really going to come into play. They are approaching you know being outside the top 100 in sacks allowed. They're they're allowing. Close to three sacks per game, and really, when you look at that that right tackle spot, they are starting a true freshman there. And Jalen Nichols, uh, Dylan Wadham got hurt; he's out. So for me, I'm looking at Azizo Jari, a guy that's really stepped up and become kind of that, you know, that that havoc wreaker for Georgia, being a, you know the the team leader in, in tackles for loss and sacks. I think that when you have a team that struggles to push the ball downfield, but then the, you know they are pushed into that situation, it really gives you a, a chance to to make some plays in the backfield. So I think that this is a game that sets up well for Aziz to kind of again push himself into that that national stage as being one of the the better pass rushers in the SEC. And and, and statistically speaking, it could be a situation where again he has multiple sacks or multiple tackles for loss in this game. So for me, Aziz Ojolar, you know, my guy to watch in this game. I think he, he set up well to perform well in that area. And and then a youngster, you know, I'm going to look back at George Pickens as a guy that, again, came out strong early on and, you know, hasn't had a bunch of huge games recently. But at the same time, I think that, you know, Georgia is going to have a chance to, to do some – play action or to you know to to get a big player to downfield and i think george pickens is set up well to to break a tackle or two in this game and 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 maybe have a you know a, a 50 60 yard play in them that that goes for a touchdown and kind of puts this game away in that second third quarter so i got george pickens as my guy i think uh he you know the matchups are well for him in that secondary for south carolina i think that he's going to uh He's gonna break a couple in this one, and and you know I'm I'm leaning heavily on him. I'm leaning heavily on Georgia to to hook me up on this one. I'm still hurt for them doing me wrong on James Cook, but I, I think I feel pretty good about you know him having a big play in this game.
1: Kip, yeah, before before I give mine, what does it say about Aziz Ojilari that he's a redshirt freshman playing in I think about to play in his ninth game as a Bulldog, and you already look at him as a veteran.
2: I mean, I think he's he's stepped up and he's established so that he can be a guy that they can depend on. And for me, I mean, it doesn't matter what the class is. If you're a guy that, you know, has it's stepped into the forefront and, and and performed when the lights are on you, then then again, you're one of those guys for this team. So I, I, for me, I mean, I know we're talking about a, a veteran and, and a young guy to step up. But for me, I think he's <clears throat> played a lot of football already. And, and he is, you know, again, he, he's a guy that's a leader now and a leader moving forward. He lets his play do the talking for him, and I think the team can can really rally around him and depend on him and in clutch situations. So if, he checks all the boxes for, for me as far as a, a veteran in this defense, but you're right. It does establish that this is a defense that has a great you know mix of, of young guys and veteran players. It's just he, he's that guy, again, overall – Looking back in this game as the MVP, I I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, we look back and say, you know, he had some big plays that kind of put this game away for Georgia and allowed them to kind of do what they want offensively and defensively.
1: I'm 100 percent on board with with you gone, you know, you putting him in that veteran category. But when you think about it, you're just to me, it just says so much about him as a player. And, And you've heard Kirby Smart talk about how he's taken over the outside linebacker room. That that nine games into his career, in in terms of games played, he's still a freshman, and and he's still a redshirt freshman officially. But he's he's done so much already, and carried himself in such a way that you still view him as a veteran, and I do too, and I'm sure Rusty does as well. It's just it's just incredible, you know, kind of the impact and and how guys can, uh, with their leadership ability, and again with the way they carry themselves. They can kind of transcend age and class and all that stuff, and and become look to veterans so early in their career, and and I just think that's that's pretty remarkable. It takes it takes a pretty special guy, pretty special person on top of a special player to do that. I'm gonna jump in with mine here real quick. I like Demetrius Robertson in this game because I just feel like the last two games he has been so close. To, to breaking off that big play, he's only getting healthier from that hamstring injury. To be honest with you, I think on that tunnel screen early on against Tennessee, if that's Demetrius Robertson' sands uh, uh, hamstring injury, he's gone. I, I he's I've seen the kid run before. I've seen his speed. I don't think they catch him. I think he's gone on that play. And I think as he gets healthier, you're going to see some of those plays out of him. I like him in the slot. Uh, you know, I think that's a, a spot where where Jake Fromm is going to be able to turn to for a big play. And I think Demetrius Robertson really matches up well with this team. I also like Demetrius more so than Tyler Simmons, even though they seem a little bit committed to getting Tyler Simmons to football in these situations. I like him a little more on those jet sweeps. Maybe that's also because of the hamstring. But for From the screen game to the downfield passing game to the more technical routes and stuff like that Demetrius has been huge for Georgia these past couple of games and I just I like that matchup there as far as a young guy goes uh, you know I'm kind of bouncing between a couple guys here because I I also think Dominic Blaylock uh, can handle um, can 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 really find some space on this team and I'm sorry in this game and make some plays but I'm going to go over to the defensive side, and I think if George is able to get a lead early in this game, I went with this guy last week, and and our picks to click, and I'm going to go with him again. I like Nolan Smith. I'm 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 waiting on that game. And you brought up the issues at tackle that that South Carolina has in pass protection. They've been great as far as run blocking, but they are exploitable when it comes to pass protection. And if George is able to get a lead and pin their ears back 14 points, 17 points, get South Carolina to abandon the run or at least cut down the run, uh, run game script, I like I think oh, Nolan Smith can have a really big game. I think he can be a guy that that makes a few plays and and maybe jars the ball loose or something like that. But but the way he plays uh, you know so hard and 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 relentless and, and his physical talent and and again he's another guy that's improving he's getting older he's getting more he's getting more comfortable he's playing faster and I think that's gonna result in some big plays for him. Rusty who are your picks?
0: Well I go last so obviously we're gonna get some duplicates but I love an Nolan Smith pick. Listen, touching on that, you know you're you're week seven now. We week seven, is that where I'm at? Week seven football um college yeah, that's football. That's right. These guys are not freshmen anymore. You know, they, they spent all spring and summer, um, you know, all summer for sure, all August, pads. Uh, you know, we're in week seven of their true freshman year. And, you know, Nolan Smith has played in big environments, played against Notre Dame. He's been in Knoxville now at night. Um, he has seen a lot. Now, he'll see something different when he goes to Auburn. Auburn's going to be, you know, a little different road trip. Georgia-Florida be something he experiences for the first time as a player. But experience-wise, Nolan Smith is getting more and more comfortable. It's time for him to, to be that guy. Uh, I think Azizo Jolari played great last week. I think he can give them as well that next punch off the bench. And I think Nolan's a great pick. Um, I, I like George Pickens. I, I just think that he's starting to get more looks uh, from, again – you know, when I write in preseason, I always write, "Hey, so and so is going to be a different player come that November stretch." Well, it's time to start becoming that different player. You're getting touches, you're uh, getting you're getting targets. Um, you know, defenses are starting to having to count for you because your size, what you're putting on tape. And I just think that two freshmen, two very very talented freshmen, George Pickens and Nolan Smith, are they're about to to show you why they were who they were in high school rankings. And 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 listen. You get three years out of guys like this, so one year is about seventy percent done, and that's hard to say. But uh, you know, it's time for these guys to start making plays, and I believe both of them will. And I think they're going to be better down the stretch, and they're going to be even more key pieces to Georgia as the season unfolds. And I think it starts Saturday.
1: You got a veteran for us. You got you got any uh, an experienced guy that you feel like is is kind of going to. And I know you've said that that. Nolan's not a freshman anymore, but do you have anybody that, you know, in that sophomore, junior, senior range that you
0: got your eye on? You know, because I love to watch offensive linemen. I mean, I catch myself at the game watching the linemen. That's just who I am. And and I don't think people get to understand what Andrew Thomas does, but just watch him for about three or four series. Jake Fromm doesn't get touched. He doesn't get touched from the backside. And, you know, when you look at him – Every single week, I could pick him. Every single week for the guy, I just enjoy watching him. You know, it'd be a strong statement to say, but he may be the best offensive lineman that's ever played at Georgia, and 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 he's got the longest arm we've ever measured. The Army game, I mean, he's a smart kid. He's a business degree. I think Georgia fans need a very very his his time in Athens is winding. His home games are winding down, and, and uh, Andrew Thomas is someone I could pick every single week. Uh, as far as is just lights out, dominating player. Just watch him for two series this weekend. Just pick you out any two series and watch what he does because he absolutely – I remember last year being at South Carolina game, he came out and they had to put in Cade Mays as a true freshman. And Cade definitely held his own, but you tell a little bit of difference. Andrew Thomas is – got a very, very good shot at being the number one draft pick next year, especially if the Jets get this thing uh, and the Dolphins don't. So I'm just I'm just telling you. Andrew Thomas, I could do him every week, but I'm gonna go ahead and single him out this week because I got a chance to watch him last week against Tennessee up close and man, that dude is is, is something freaky.
1: I tell you what, you may even see the Dolphins make that move. You know, they traded away Laramie Tunsil and and if the steel the pick they got from the Steelers ends up being super high well,
0: and and you know the, and and go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cut you off, but you know, I I thought about that a lot yesterday, and I don't know if they take Tua. If Thomas is there at four, so you got a big decision on them. Do you take Andrew Thomas and then take Justin? You know the Oregon quarterback at four. You know how that fall. There's going to be some big time questions there. But heck, there could be a chance that Miami could end up with Jerry Judy and Tua. So, but you've got to take somebody that can protect a quarterback if you take them. I certainly agree with what you're saying there, Jake
1: yeah and and it's one of those things where if you end up with two or three quarterbacks that are super close right there in your evaluation that you like to uh herbert and burrow or from or whoever right there in that same little bunch then you take some you take a the guy that you know will be there at one and then you know it's it's a situation see i don't think it's you know, I know Walker Little is a big-time tackle prospect, been hurt this year, but but I don't know that there's anybody in in Thomas's league right now no. as a pro-prospected tackle. So you get that guy first, and maybe you like three quarterbacks, and one of those is there at four or five or six or wherever you end up picking because not everybody is going to take a quarterback up there. There are some teams, I think, that are going to be there that, that feel p- pretty decent about their quarterback situation. Arizona could be up there. Uh, high again because they're you know they're they're struggling too uh, you know Denver could be up there again sadly and as a Broncos fan so they could be right up there as well and I know Denver would love to have a guy like Andrew Thomas so uh, with their offensive line situation so that one's going to be fun to watch because I'm as the time goes by you just get more and more confident that Andrew Thomas is going to be a top five pick and uh, if you're DJ one this week uh, if if you're thinking you're talking about your NFL aspirations uh, you've got a chance to put up some good tape if you can look good against Andrew Thomas which is a tough task
0: every game that Andrew Thomas plays gets broke down because of what he can be Um, you know it's like I tell these high school kids all the time colleges aren't looking for a reason to offer they're looking for a reason not to offer so they're all looking for a reason maybe there's something in Andrew Thomas's game that they see like hey maybe we don't take him number one every game tape for Andrew Thomas every single play gets broke down and evaluated. So it's, it's a hell of an opportunity to play against him. And I know we, 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 we've we talked about this before, we've talked about it, but, man, could you imagine him versus Chase Young? would would be, oh, wow. You're talking about a dream scenario if they were to play. And throw it in Atlanta, just for sake, just throw it in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl national semifinal game. It would be incredible.
1: Clash of the Titans, man. That, I mean, that that's just that's that's like I mean, it'd be like a movie for somebody like me that, that that also enjoys offensive line play for sure. Let's look at these, uh let's look at these games and we're gonna focus in on, on two of them before we make our Georgia, South Carolina picks. And we'll start with the one that's outside the SEC, OU Texas. And been a lot of talk about this game. Jalen Hurts comments about how he'll be fine. Ah, uh, because he's played in the Iron Bowl. Uh, some Texas folks taking issue with that. I, I think that's pretty crazy. I mean, listen, everybody knows what the Iron Bowl is, and and it doesn't matter what the rankings have been in the past. You can throw it all out the window. It's about the atmosphere and the and just the insanity that goes around it. I mean, call me when somebody from from Texas poisons a bunch of trees at o- Oklahoma just because of a jersey put on a statue. I mean, there's there's some silliness that goes on in that thing. Uh, but but Jalen Hurts gets his first taste of the Red River Shootout. I'm I'm not all about I'm I'm not all about changing the world's largest art outdoor cocktail party in the Red River Shootout. They are what they are. They've been that way for much longer than they've been something different. Uh, Kip, what? How do you see this game? Uh, what's your feeling on OU Texas?
2: It's tough because last year, you know, going into this game, Oklahoma beat a pretty good Iowa State team, and turned out the the army team they played ended up being pretty good, you know, heading into that Texas game and and they lost to the Longhorns. I mean, looking at this year's team, they, they've beaten up on some poor teams. I mean, I, I'm looking at their schedule, you know, Houston, South Dakota, Kansas, uh, a decent Texas tech team. Maybe it, it's really tough to get a gauge on this Oklahoma team, you know? So, uh, it, it's tough because I don't know how many of those teams they beat are bowl teams. You know, I don't know how many of those teams are, are are teams that you can really learn a lot about what they're able to do. So uh, for me, I think you look at Sam Ellinger, you know, this being his third time playing against the Sooners, he had an incredible game last year, you know, 300 and what, 15 yards, two touchdowns. I think he, uh, he had a, 72-yard rushing score. You know, so this year, he's playing playing great football. He's got 17 touchdown passes, just two picks. And he's got a pretty good group of receivers as well that he's hit for big plays. And so, you know, I know the Texas offense hasn't been as dangerous as Oklahoma's, but, you know, I think the opponents have had something to do with that. I mean, this is a Texas team that can go toe-to-toe with them if it is a shootout. And so for me, I'm kind of looking to see what happens when Oklahoma has been given a big push. You know, I think that you you look at dealing with adversity and that's what coaches always try to harp on is, you know, we want to see what happens when this team deals with that. And I think this is going to give Oklahoma that first chance to see what they're made of, because I do think that Texas is going to be able to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and, and keep the foot on the pedal offensively and and also control the clock so Oklahoma might end up having to press a little bit offensively I I think that Jalen Hurts is going to be again under pressure from Texas's defensive front and this is going to be a back and forth fight and so it's going to be about you know who can take that momentum and come up with enough big plays And, and I've thought about this for a while and I know that you know again Oklahoma's had all the press clippings in this game but you know, this could be a situation where Jalen ends up making a couple mistakes that cost Oklahoma in this football game. And so, you know, I, I think that this is this is one where I have Texas coming out on top at the very end of the game. I'll, I'll just say uh, 27-24. But, again, I, I just think that we don't know enough about the Oklahoma team. A lot of people are already, you know, question, you know, putting them in that playoff situation. And again, you can't really do that with any team right now. But I'm just thinking, you know, they might have a lot of things that get exposed in this game by Texas. Even though Texas has got a couple injuries here and there, I, I think that they're going to give them just enough issues up front defensively to to really uh, push Oklahoma to, to try to do things that they haven't been doing this year. So, again, I got the Longhorns winning this game by a field goal. Wow,
0: I
1: look at this game, and to me, um, I really think Texas can run the ball, especially with Sam Ellinger. I know they haven't been super healthy at running back, and, and the running game is not necessarily prolific, uh, but I do think that they can kind of grind it out. It's not necessarily Tom Herman's style because they like to go with pace, but I think you kind of have to do whatever you can to win. Uh, th- I mean, this being a huge rivalry game, this is going to be all about who lands the punches first. Texas did that last year. You know, I like Texas in this game, and I like the over. I think it's going to be high scoring like last year. I don't – you know, no, everybody was talking about Oklahoma's improved defense, and I do think they're probably a little bit better I think they're tackling a little bit better, but I think Texas has a little bit of a better chance to grind it out, control some clock, limit Jalen Hurts opportunities. I think they're fast defensively, but I also think they're exploitable in that secondary, and there's going to be some downfield throws. I'm going to take Texas to win this game, and I've got Texas to win it 37-34. I think that's that's the way I kind of see it playing out as kind of an exciting, up-tempo game where texas at some point is able to get the ground game going is able to put together a drive uh the, a, a long drive that kind of wears oklahoma out a little bit skews the time of possession in their favor and, and pull out the win so i'm taking texas 37 34 what do you got rusty
0: wow y'all too uh dropping the hammer this morning um texas is banged up man their secondary is banged up playing without two starters i think and just you know, I think what we have seen, obviously covering the games we have seen and you know, what he's laid out on paper uh the last two, two and a half, three years, Jalen Hurts can absolutely kill you with his legs. And I think he's gonna be able to make the throws he needs to make, but I think Texas and the whole uh Big Twelve are about to find out that not only can he throw the ball pretty damn good, but his legs make him special. Uh, He extends plays, he's big, he's strong, and I don't think he's going to have to necessarily throw for 250, 300 yards to win this game, but I could very well see Jalen Hurts running for 120, 130 yards and being the key piece there. Uh, And I do agree it's going to be a high-scoring game, but um, I'll I'll take Oklahoma 41, Texas 31. I think a game is going to be a game all the way through four quarters, but I just look for Jalen Hurts to – make two or three key plays with his legs. Man, he's so hard to tackle, so thick in his lower body. And if he can hit a couple key passes there, uh, just enough to soften them up with some younger guys in the secondary, I just think Oklahoma's going to be too much. But I will say, as I posted on the board uh, this morning, if you're a Georgia fan, if you're anybody else fan other than Oklahoma, you need to be pulling for Texas right here because if Oklahoma wins this game, chances are they, they, they're in – Uh, You know, likely a Texas rematch could possibly, but uh, this would go a long way if Oklahoma were to lose. Uh, Some spots might get tough for the Big 12.
1: And I'll tell you what, if you like offensive line play and you like center play, check out Oklahoma center, Creed Humphrey. Ah, man, that cat is one of the best centers I've ever seen play the game at the college level. Freak show. Um, He's kind of a David Andrews, but bigger and that's, I mean, if you, if you talk to any NFL scouts about David Andrews ever, if David Andrews was 6'4, 315 pounds, uh, he would probably, they'd probably get him a yellow jacket right now or a gold jacket. I shouldn't say yellow. That was probably offensive to some people. But uh, if you, if you get him a gold, you probably hand him a gold jacket right now because that's the only knock on his games. He's not a super big guy, but Creed Humphrey has the, the tools to be as good as anybody. Let's get to the exciting one, man—the one that's a lot closer to home and and two teams that that we've both seen. All three of us have seen. Sorry, uh, a lot, and then that's Florida and LSU. And Rusty, I'm coming to you first. Uh, you, you talked about being a huge LSU fan last week. Didn't even have them in your top two. I don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, what what do you think about this one?
0: I think LSU is going to handle Florida. I think they're going to uh, look. I love Florida secondary um grantham is going to pick his battles with burrow he's not going to be as free reign as he was with bo Nix. you know he's facing a graduate transfer very experienced quarterback man it's going to be ridiculous can you imagine could you imagine just sitting on field level and just watching that game that that stadium is going to be unhinged um in, in, on saturday night in that place in death valley i just think lsu is going to take it to him. um I think Florida's offense is going to have some problems. I went back and watched the Auburn game. You know, there's some inconsistencies there. What they're trying to do, I like Florida's wide receivers, and I've said this all along. Their wide receivers are extremely underrated. They got some straight dudes over there at wide receiver. Can they get them the ball? You know, Tras Tough comes in after the hit last week. Those types of things. But um, I've got I've got um, I've got LSU 31, Florida 17, and I and I don't know if it'll be. Just my opinion, if LSU is who I think they are, they're going to handle this game by two touchdowns.
1: I'm on board with you as far as that goes. And I think it can't be, I think you can't uh, overstate how much Florida having to play Auburn last week plays into this huge emotional win. They're going to be up for it. Are they going to be able to handle this thing for four quarters on the road? A, in a game that's turned into a cross-division rivalry um, over the past, you know, decade, decade and a half, there have been some big games. There have been some big upsets that have propelled each of these teams to 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 greater heights. Uh, one thing that concerns me on LSU's part, though, is I think LSU is vulnerable when it comes to pass protection. Now, Joe Burrow has done a really good job of getting the ball out, and he's he's a mobile guy. He he extends plays. He does a good job with that. But I think if Florida hits on some of these blitzes, and like you said, Grantham's going to pick his pick his chances, pick his opportunities here. He's going to pick his battles. But I think that, that they'll be able to get, hit some plays against LSU. But I think four quarters, uh, Florida coming off that emotional, physical football game last week. Also, Florida turned it over four times, and it's not going to get easier to to take care of the football on the road. You know, four fumbles. Uh, I, I like LSU in this game. I'm gonna pick a similar score, but I don't think I think this is a I think this looks like a defensive battle for about two and a half, maybe three quarters, but I think LSU pulls away late, and I'm gonna say uh, 34-10. I think LSU's just just catching a team at the right time and and playing well themselves, and and that's gonna result in in a pretty big win. What do you got, Kip?
2: You guys thought that Auburn-Florida Auburn, uh, LSU, Auburn Florida game was ugly last week? I, I think this one could be even uglier. Just because Florida, what they do well is they force turnovers in this game. And they're number one in the country so far, I think. They're, they've forced 17 turnovers so far this year. The problem is, is they're also in the bottom 10 as far as turnovers lost. They've lost 13 turnovers in this game. So I think that... You know, Florida is definitely going to be aggressive here, and I think again, it's it's going to cost them, but it's also going to push LSU a little bit. As far as Joe Burrow is concerned, I think the, those big plays downfield he's used to. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, have that same window of opportunity with with Florida's secondary, which again, once again, is very talented, but but at the same time, I think. You know, when you get in the third and fourth quarter, fourth quarter of this game, I do think that that Joe is going to be able to make some throws because he does have, outside of Tuscaloosa, you know, maybe the most talented wide receiver core, you know, in the country. Uh, between uh, Jamar Chase, what he's been, been doing this year is, is unbelievable. I think he's kind of made, you know, a name for himself as one of the best big play wide receivers in the country. And then uh, I believe uh, Jordan Jefferson – another big play guy. You know, They have, he has weapons to throw to that are making him look really good, in this, and I think it's really going to be the difference in this game. Uh, I don't know how healthy Kyle Trask is right now, but I do know that he, he's put the ball on the ground, and I think that's going to be an issue in this game as well. So I, I think that, you know, LSU's going to put this thing away in, probably late in the third quarter. You know, I, I got them winning 20 to 30. will be the final score I have, and I think that, again... LSU is starting to build that resume. But at the same time, you know, they, they know that they have a lot of big games left to play and you, you can't go into this game as far as which team really has more to lose in this game. I think it's definitely LSU because knowing what they still have in their schedule, they can't afford a conference loss right now. And, and Florida knows, you know, they just kind of have to s- split this series right now and, and get into Jacksonville with a chance to, you know, to play for that east division you know lsu they cannot afford a loss right now just knowing just how the west is shaping up right now so i think you know they're coming in with more to play for and i think that uh it's going to help them out in the end
1: yeah sounds like sounds like we all kind of have the uh, a similar result on this one just just different reads on how it gets there and now down to georgia south carolina georgia's 24 and a half point favorite uh, it's it's looking for its fourth win in a row, fifth win in a row against South Carolina. Um, Rusty, going to come to you first here. What's kind of your read on this game? And at noon kickoff. Obviously, you don't love that at home, but Georgia looked really good in the noon kickoff earlier this year against a pretty good team in Arkansas State. So, so how, what, what's your read on this one?
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, you know, when I when we did our Arkansas State prediction, I said if if Georgia, because Arkansas State's a pretty damn good team. And I knew Notre Dame was was a week later and, and all the buzz. Nobody was even talking about Arkansas State. I said, if Georgia's who I think they are and they're a focused team, they're going to handle business against Arkansas State and move on to the next week. This is another game. Just like you just said, this is a noon game. Georgia's almost a four-touchdown favorite against South Carolina who's starting a freshman quarterback. You know, if Georgia – it's who I think they are. They're going to handle this game. They're going to handle business. Um, you know, they're focused because South Carolina is coming in here with nothing to lose, nothing to lose. Uh, and certainly got some playmakers at spots. Uh, I don't think they've got the roster or the depth to go four quarters with Georgia, but they could make this a lot more interesting, especially for that that 24-line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to say, and I've heard Jake Fromm say this team. You know, he said it last week. This team is one. This team is united. Uh, kind of was a kind of was a a, a a little message I think about who this team is in the locker room. And I'm gonna go with that. And what I read off those comments, and uh, I'm gonna say this team is very focused. I'm gonna go Georgia 37, South Carolina 17.
1: Hey, Kip, what you got, man?
2: I think that, you know, for South Carolina to have a chance in this game, they they would have to to come out, you know, come out swinging. And they would have to pounce in a hurry and kind of catch Georgia off guard in this noon kickoff game. The problem is I just don't think they're set up to do that well. Again, with the freshman quarterback and uh, an offense that can't really push the ball downfield, you know, they'd have to rely on on their senior backs to to break a couple. And, you know, while they've – they've gotten decent offensive line play. I, I just don't think that they have what it takes to kind of keep this in range once we get into that second and third quarter. You know, Georgia, again, as I've harped on it all year, you know, they've the, – the penalties have still continued to mount up as far as giving teams that that hidden yardage. And, and, and South Carolina leads the SEC with the few, fewest penalty yards so far, I believe. So, right now, I think – Georgia's just got to keep doing what they've been doing and stick to the game plan and continue to fine tune that those those mental errors and and improve in that area, and I think they should be fine because you know they're going to win the battle on the line of scrimmage. I believe on both sides of the ball, I I think the offensive line is again making a name for itself, and I think you know that's really going to be the key to this game. Is On the other side of the ball, South Carolina is not going to be able to move the chains. And that's just a bad formula against Georgia because Georgia can grind it out. They can control that clock. And and when the chances are there, you know, they have the ability to to kind of pounce on on the mistakes. And, And so when you're facing a team that's dead last in time of possession and is really bad on third downs and doesn't have a downfall passing game to open things up, you know, I think Jake Fromm comes in and has that. 14 of 18 for, you know, 205 and two touchdowns that he needs early on. And, and the Georgia backs find the end zone, you know, early and often. Uh, and I like, I like Georgia to win this game 41 to 14.
1: It seems like universally this week, the one thing I've heard, whether it's been talking to players, Kirby smart, checking with the the program contacts is that Georgia has been really locked in this week in practice I think some of that has to do with SEC home opener uh, coming off of a win, coming off of a win where they got off to a slow start. I think this team continually is able to kind of reevaluate itself and and come up with things to fix and work on, and I think that helps you focus week in and week out. I like Georgia big in this one, and, and that's says somebody that has a lot of respect for the South Carolina team. I think Ryan Holinsky is going to be a good player in the SEC, but he's a freshman quarterback going on the road. It's not going to be a, a, a Notre Dame-type environment, but again, SEC home opener, so I do expect Georgia fans to show up for this one for a 5-0 for and o team. I, I think Georgia's going to really jump on South Carolina, uh, probably somewhere starting in the second quarter. It's always tough to get off to a blazing fast start against a team that that has nothing to lose, and South Carolina's got nothing to lose. It's a two and three team coming in, but I think Georgia really starts to play well in the in in the in the first half. Toward the end of the first half, this game's not in in very much doubt uh, by the third quarter, where Georgia's just been astronomically good in the third quarter this year over the past two years, to be honest with you, and and I think it's I think the Bulldogs start to hit some big plays in the passing game, working off play action. I, I agree with you, Kip. I think Georgia wins both lines of scrimmage. And that's with all the respect in the world for Javon Kinlaw and and uh, and and DJ Wonham. I, I like Georgia 41 to 14 in this one. I, I think the Bulldogs, uh, you know, really pull away, and it, it looks us very similar. And and that may have been the score actually to last year's game, and maybe it's 41-17. I'm I'm not even 100% sure, but I think that it shapes up a lot like that one that that Georgia kind of gets off to a fast start. And uh and then this one's really not in doubt by the time the, the fourth quarter comes around and and uh you know this this Georgia team I think it really starts needs to start hitting its stride and I think that that obviously they did in the second half last week against Tennessee, and I think that carries over into this game. Any final thoughts going into this game for either of you?
0: What is it, October tenth today? Yes. Jake, give me your Heisman.
1: Um Hmm. I think two is going to win the Heisman. I I, th- I think that the voters uh, kind of know that one kind of got swiped from him last year. Not that he was wronged, but it just kind of came in at the last moment, and somebody snatched it from him. In uh, Kyler Murray, I think two is going to win the Heisman.
0: Yep.
2: I got two as the leader in the clubhouse right now. I mean, you can't have over twenty touchdowns, no picks. Uh, You know, he's already Alabama's career touchdown leader after only 20 starts. I think just what he's been able to do, it's a body of work thing, but it's also just his receivers this year going down the stretch. uh, They're going to be tough to beat. You know, I think that they're they're making him look good, but he, he he is playing lights out football right now, and teams have tried to do a little bit of everything against the Crimson Tide this year. And all Tua does is continue to shred him up. And so I just think that as of right now, you, you can't bet against them. I mean, they're an 18-point favorite, I believe, over Texas A&M on the road this this weekend. And it's just uh, it's just incredible uh, what, what he's been able to do offensively and, and where this, this Alabama offense is now, just, again, compared to what they looked like before he got there.
0: Tua's going to have his game. It's going to be at Auburn. It's going to be LSU at home and the SEC Championship. He'll have three games that will determine if he wins a Heisman. Uh, And and I I certainly i am with you. I would say two right now, but those three games are going to tell a tale for him.
1: Well, looks like we've kind of got a little bit of a consensus on the Heisman. We've got a consensus on the Georgia-South Carolina game and the uh, uh, LSU-Florida game. Uh, A little bit of a disparity there on the uh, Texas-Oklahoma game, but we'll all be watching that. We'll be, watching the, we'll be watching the game closely. We'll be back with you guys uh, on Sunday night uh, to recap Georgia South Carolina. Still hoping to, uh, to to have a guest on next week that that we pretty sure you guys are going to really enjoy. But for this show, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with the do- with the uh, Junkyard Dogcast Dogs 24/7. Got a little twisted over my words there. He's Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24/7, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys on Sunday. Take care.